Thanks, guys. I was telling my wife this morning that I long for the day. I long for the day when we can come into a church and the church body just rejoice and just being able to stand in God's presence and being able to sing praise to Him without worrying about, you know, is somebody going to jump at me if, if I clap my hands or if I stand up or if I sway back and forth? Hey, I know this is a Baptist church, okay? I've been in a lot of Baptist churches all my life. I grew up in the primest, properest, most traditional Baptist church in the county, okay? If somebody sneezed, some old person in the back jumped up and said, you can't do that in the house of God. I'm here to tell you, it's okay. You can move, you can breathe, you can clap, you can rejoice that you're in the presence of the Lord. We struggle and we fight and we fail and we hurt all week long. Can we not come into one place, one place, one day out of the week and thank God that we're still alive? Thank God that we're still alive. And that we're still here, and that we're still breathing, and that we're still moving, and God still cares. I don't know if anybody else can, can sense it. I don't know if anybody else can feel it. I, I just don't know. But when I sit up here, and I'm, I'm up, up here, and I'm, I'm listening, and I'm, I'm wanting to worship, I can feel this tension inside of me. And it's just screaming, God wants you to know so much that he loves you. And all you got to do is just let go. Dadgummit, just, just let go. Quit worrying about who you are and where you're at and just be happy to be in God's presence. Because that is what the overwhelming message is. God loves you. He loves you. And he's well aware of all of our fallacies. That's why he sent his son to die for us. But that does not change the fact that he loves us. And you've got to know that. And it breaks my heart. I don't know how many services I've sat through through the years. And it breaks my heart to sit through these services knowing that God is right there. And he's wanting to rip into the crowd and just share his love with everybody. And the crowd just sits there and stares. 1991, back in the good old days in college, <laughs> was with the Baptist Student Union, we had a worship team, and, and, and we'd go around from church to church. And we got invited to, uh, oh, what was the name? I can't even remember the name of the church. It's on the north, northwest, side of, uh, northwest side of Fort Worth, right as, your, right as 287 runs back into uh, 235, right there at that split. Great big church, beautiful church. Huge, beautiful church. I can remember there was about eight of us. And we walked into that church, and I mean, it was just big. And it was full. Full. And I mean, just the, the sanctuary probably sat three, 4,000 just on the bottom half. And then it had one of those great big loft things where, where you know, it overlooked down into the, into the lower part of the sanctuary. And it was full, and all these people were there. And I remember us walking in there and going, ooh. We just little bitty people. You know, what are we going to do in this big, grand, fine church? 
people walking around. They had their little suits and their little ties on and their, bless your brother, how are you today, and all this kind of jizzy. And I remember sitting through that service, and I remember when it was all over with, we left that place. And I'm telling you right now, as many people that was in that church, that was the deadest church I've ever been in. Not one presence of God in there. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart. How can a church be so full, have so many people in there, so many people supposedly coming and looking for the word of God, looking for purpose in their life, looking for joy, looking for peace? How, many, how is it possible that this church, this established grand fine church in the Baptist denomination, how is it possible that that church could be so dead? And yet it was. I'm here to tell you today that the Lord wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. That means that he wants to talk to you and he wants to be talked to. He wants to walk with you. He wants to carry you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to give you purpose in your life. But if you do not open yourself up, do not surrender yourself to him, it won't happen. But I am here to tell you today that a relationship with Jesus Christ is real. I am by no means perfect. I am by no means smart or wise or anything else. I'm just a person. But I can tell you all that I have and all that I've gained has come from Jesus Christ and come from having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that it is not, I don't look through rose-colored glasses. It hurts. It's hard. It's a struggle. And the closer that you get to God, the more that Satan will try to rip you apart and try to distract you and try to tear you away from him. The more catastrophes, the more heartache, the more pain will fall upon your life the closer that you draw to God. But that should not be a moment of panic. That should be a moment that draws you even closer to God. I'm here to tell you today that God wants to be able to provide you with the finances that you and your family needs to survive. He will provide you with the housing. He will provide you with the shelter, the food, the clothing. He will provide those things for you if you will look to him. He wants to lead you. He will show you what it is that you should do with your life. He will show you where it is that you should go. He will show you what path that you should pursue. He will show you if you will seek him. He will give you peace in the midst of the storm. He will give you purpose. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call, and, and I felt bad. 
you know, we, we have had no family time. And that's a big deal in my, in my house. In our house, it's a big deal. I, it's, it's nothing crazy or anything, but I like spending time with my children. At least once a week, I want to be able to sit down with my family, with, with my kids, with my wife. I want to be able to sit down and do nothing more than watch some stupid movie and just be in their presence and be with my family. That's important to me. And, and we had gone through weeks and weeks and weeks where we can't do that. There's things that got to be done. You know, it's just chaos, normal life. But we had finally, one Sunday evening, we had finally been able to do that, be able to sit down. And I, and I didn't want to answer phones. I didn't want to do anything. And just like that. Told you. I didn't want to do anything. And we were sitting there, we were watching the movie, and I heard the phone go off, and I ignored it. I ignored it. About an hour went by, the phone went off again. And again, I ignored it. And about three seconds after my phone went off, Jennifer's phone went off, and she answered it. And what had happened was, we had had a youth from, from the church we were, that I was pastoring at previously, uh, she had been killed in a car wreck. And the family, who's very dear to us, was just trying to get a hold of us. And I felt horrible. Felt horrible. But we left and we went over there and we were over there in the middle of the night just to be with that family. In the following days, you know, we, we went to the funeral and as we were going to the funeral, and I'd had about a week or so to, to think about all that had happened, I started thinking about the fact that, you know, this young lady and her, and her brothers, you know, we had watched her grow up in the church. And her mother, sweetest lady in the world, has not one lick of book knowledge, but has the greatest God knowledge of anyone I've ever met. She just bleeds Christ. Just incredible. Can't ever understand her, but that's all right. But I remember her children, and I remember this young lady, and I remember her coming up to me during the services and after the services and and all along and, and asking me about having a relationship with God, quizzing me about, you know, is God real? Quizzing me about, you know, does, does God really want to have a relationship with people? And I remember all these things, and I remember her arguing with me. From the time that she was in junior high, all the way up into high school and out of high school. And at the same time that she was doing that, she had this other friend that was her supposed sister-in-law that kept dragging her down into stuff, just dragging her down into hell. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's all it is, just dragging her to hell, trying to get her involved with witchcraft, trying to got her involved with doing strip dancing and doing drugs. And, and before you knew it, this young lady, she had kids with multiple, multiple individuals. I mean, it's just horrible. And so there we are, we're at the funeral, And we're getting ready, and I I think about how many times, I think about how many times in ministry, been involved in ministry, how many times that I've watched young children, youth, 
how many youth that God has allowed us to be in the presence of, to be allowed us to, to minister to through the years. And how many of those have fallen away? And I question myself and I ask myself, you know, did I do the right thing? Was I not preaching the word? You know, and, and God coming back and saying, you did exactly what I told you to do. And you preached the word. You know, and you, you, Scott, you have no control over what direction the people go. Your responsibility is to preach the word. To teach the word. That's your responsibility. What, what everybody else does with it, you have no control over. But I can't tell you how much it's broken my heart. To watch people grow up knowing that they've been taught, knowing that they had a relationship with Christ, and somehow or another they fall off the beaten path. And, and watching the aftermath, watching how it tears up families, how it tears up the parents, how it tears up them, and how they end up getting so far off the beaten path that they end up leading, instead of leading people to the Lord, they chase people away from the Lord. And after time goes by, and you see this happen, and it builds and it builds and it builds, after a while, you finally get to the point where you start asking yourself, is it really worth it anymore? Is it really worth trying to preach the gospel anymore to a people that just don't seem to care? And then the overwhelming reality comes in with God coming back and saying, you are not done. And that's what I wanted to share with that family as I was suddenly thrust into the pulpit. I, the pastor asked me literally during the service, oh yeah, I need you to stand up and speak a few words for the family. And I just kind of went, whoop. But the overwhelmingness was that I wanted her brother to know and I wanted the people to know that God is not dead. It's a fight. And I don't care how many people look at me weird, and I don't care how many people question, or how many people walk away saying, you know, they're so much wiser than me, and, and you know, I'm, I'm just full of, you know, trash, whatever. I, I don't care. I, I, I do not care. What I do care about is this. God is not dead. We are not dead. We still have a purpose in this life. The gospel must be preached. I want to share a passage with you guys real quickly. And it's out of, uh, out of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37. Now I'm very aware of what this passage is and what this passage means. Nobody has to tell me that. Okay, I'm very aware that this is a prophecy. I'm very aware that this is a prophecy to the people of Israel that, that of, of God's return and, God, and the redemption of the people of Israel and that God would call them back to life. I'm very aware of that. Extremely aware of that. But I'm also aware of the fact that that's not all that it means. And I'm just going to share with you real quickly this morning uh, just some passages and, and how they relate. And very basically, it, it, it comes down to this. We're dead. We as a people are dead, period. End of the story. No ifs, ands, buts about it. Okay? We are dead. Only God gives life. That's it. Nothing else. Okay? 
I don't care what the scientists say. I don't care about the weird theories. We didn't come from a little glob of goo. We didn't come from little little crystals falling on the backs of aliens that came and they fell off. And, you know, then suddenly we miraculously populated ourselves from a bunch of crystals. We didn't evolve from monkeys. Sorry. You know, I know, and I have children that, you know, I think are monkeys. <clears throat> you know, I, there's no, no question about that. But I'm here to tell you we're not monkeys. And we didn't come from monkeys or anything else. We're here because God created us. Says it over and over again in Scripture. Only God gives life. And only God gives purpose. As I share this passage with you this, this morning, and I'm not going to go exactly. There's, there's too much in there, so I've tried, tried to condense it a little bit. But anybody is welcome. In fact, I encourage you to go back and read the passage for yourself. And if you want to read along with me or try to follow, that's fine. Uh, but it's in chapter 37 of Ezekiel. And it says this, very at the very beginning, it says this. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass round about among them. And behold, there were very many human bones in the open valley or plain. And behold, they were very dry. Simply put, we are dead. Let me explain this, okay? Ezekiel went to sleep. He had a vision. And as he had the vision, the Spirit of the Lord took him to this great big valley. It does not matter where the valley is. But it was a great big valley. Okay? And we've all seen these. Just picture a huge valley. It's, you know, surrounded by cliffs in a big open valley. Just plain. Giant plain out in front of you. That's all you got to picture. Okay? So the Lord took him and he placed him in the middle of this valley. Now, in this valley, as far as the eye could see, there was nothing but bones. Nothing but bones. And it wasn't any bones. There were particular bones. They were not just cow bones. We see those all the time. These were human bones. Okay? And they were stacked on top of each other and just kind of crisscross and kind of crazy. The entire valley was filled with dried bones. And that's the other particular about it. They weren't just bones, they were dry bones. It was an indication that they had been there for years and years and years and years. In other words, these bones were getting close to going back to the point of origination, and that's dust. Now, why is that important? That's important because what this is, is a picture of ourselves. We are the valley of the bones. We are dead. There is no life. When I look around our world today, and I look at our society, I look at the things that are popular, and, it, and it's humorous to me that, that society, I think, on, on, a, on a lower level, underneath, I think society realizes that it's dead. That is why... Things like zombies are so popular. Because we're dead already. And we enjoy watching the the undead things live and uh, brains and all that kind of good stuff. We enjoy that. And, And it's because subconsciously, I think we realize that we're dead. 
I think subconsciously we realize that we're dead and we, we want hope. We want life. We want purpose. But I'm telling you right now, we are no different than zombies. We're dead. We are the walking dead. Because the bottom line is, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're dead. Death, in the classical sense, means separation from God. And so if you think about it, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are separated from God. That means you're dead. Now, as he was standing there in the valley, he continues on and he says, He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I think Ezekiel answered very wisely. And he said, Oh Lord, only you can know. So there he was. He was standing in the valley of all these dead bones. And God is standing beside him. And God asked him, Ezekiel, can all these bones live? And I think Ezekiel very humbly answered the question. He said, oh God, only you can know. He did that because from the human standpoint, he knew that these bones couldn't live. But he also knew that God could do whatever God wanted to do. And I think that's important. Despite who we are, despite where we're at, we need to know and we need to recognize and understand God can do what God wants to do when God wants to do it. And whatever form that God wants to do it. It does not matter. He is God. A couple of years ago, somebody walked up to me during a Super Bowl party and asked me, basically asked me the question, when is God going to move? When is God going to change the hearts of the people? When is God going to do something? In this church. My only response to him was. That I could bring up was. God will do it when God's ready to do it. I don't know when God's going to do it. But I do know this. When God wants to do it. God will do it. Let's continue on. Because this is what he says. Again he said to me. Prophesy to these bones. And say to them. Oh you dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath and spirit to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath and spirit in you, and you, dry bones, shall live. And you shall know, you shall understand, and you shall realize that I am the Lord, the sovereign ruler, who calls forth loyalty and obedient service. Only God can cause the dead to live. Only God can cause the dead to live. This is why I say it. Because Ezekiel got up and he he said, I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a thundering noise, and behold, a shaking and trembling and a rattling, and the bones came together. Bone to its bone. And I look, and behold, 
There were sinews upon the bones, and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. Now, this is like in a reverse anatomy class. This valley's full of dead bones. He got up, God told him to speak, and as he spoke, the bones started rattling together. And yes, I can imagine a valley full of bones probably did sound like thunder. And as the, and they began to rattle around and thunder, all of a sudden these bones started connecting together. And as they started connecting together, all of a sudden the tendons started binding themselves back together again. And as the tendons began binding themselves back together again, the flesh and the muscles began to grow. And these guys began to stand up and there was muscles forming on them. And as all the muscles and all the intestines and all the stuff started coming back together, and the little eyeballs popped out, the skin came back on them, and the hair came back on their head, and they were standing there. And they were alive. And they were alive because God said so. My point to you, people, is this. Only God gives life. Only God gives life. And the reason I say that is because of this. There was no breath or spirit in them. So even though they were physically alive, they weren't truly alive. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath and the spirit. Summon a man and say to the breath and the spirit, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath and spirit, and breathe life upon the slain that they may leave. And so I prophesied as he commanded me. And as I did, the breath and the spirit came into the bones. They lived, they stood up upon their feet, and they were an exceedingly great host. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are completely cut off. It's a funny thing about the, this representation of the people of Israel. Because that's what he was saying. Basically, Ezekiel, God was saying to Ezekiel that the dead represented the people of Israel. And that only as God breathed into them were they given life. Now, the funny thing about the people of Israel is that we always associate it with the people of Israel. But it's much more than that. Do you not realize that as we talk about the people of Israel, that we are talking about ourselves as well? Nay, you say. Yes, I do. And I'll tell you why. We are adopted heirs. We are the adopted heirs to the kingdom of God. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are the adopted heirs. We are the adopted children of God. If we are the adopted children of God, that makes Israel what? Brothers and sisters. So as we sit and we talk about and we say that this prophecy is specific to the people of Israel, I think not. Because we are the children of Israel as well. There are our 
brothers and sisters. And I'm here to tell you today that this is where we're at in our society. This is where we're at in our churches. Yes, I said that. We are dead. We are dead. And only God can breathe life into us. And I say that even as I talk about us being children of God and having a relationship with God. I'm telling you right now, if you're not daily seeking Him, if you're not pursuing Him, then you are dead. Because it's quite simple. If you're not seeking Him and pursuing Him and allowing Him to fill you up, then you have no life. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about life. Purpose. He continues on. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will will open up your graves. I will cause you to come up out of your graves. My people, I will bring you back home to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your sovereign ruler. When I have opened your graves and I have caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, I shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. I shall place you in your own land. Then you shall know, understand, and realize that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, thus says the Lord. Now, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this. If you want to have purpose in your walk, If you are a child of God and you are frustrated with the things that are going on in your life, if you are overwhelmed by the struggles and the sufferings that you are going through, then you need to seek one person and one person only, and that is God. Period. End of the story. Quit trying to do things on your own. Quit trying to be the provider for your family. Because I don't care how wise you are. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how talented you are. Only God can give life and purpose. And if you want to see changes in this church, if you want to see changes in this community, if you want to see changes in your family and in your marriage, you have one place to go and one place only, and that is straight to the altar of God. And I will not be quiet anymore. And I don't care how many people look at me and say I'm strange and I'm nuts. I don't care. I've been created for one purpose, and that is to preach the Word of God. And my job is not done until God calls me home. And I don't care if people want to listen to it or not, but I'm telling you right now, God has a plan and a purpose for each one of you individually. And if you are not seeking them out every day as an individual, then you are missing the point. And if you stand there and you say, well, I don't know which direction to go. I don't know how to do it. I, well, I don't know what passage I read. I, yeah, that's the point. Go to God. I don't know. I don't know how to provide for my family. Go to God. I don't know how I should talk to my children. Go to God. I just lost my job. I don't know what direction to go. Go to God. 
I just made a fool out of myself. Go to God. I fell in sin. Go to God. It's not a complicated process, people. I don't care where you're at. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what you're experiencing. And every issue that you face, go to God. Seek Him out. Church, if you're serious about being a church, serious about being church, and you're serious about looking for direction and purpose, go to God. Because only God can give life, and only God can give purpose. If you do not have a relationship with God, if you've never heard God speak to you in your heart, I'm here to tell you today that God is real and that God can do it if you will open up, surrender yourselves to Him. If you believe with your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead, and He did it, and if you confess with your mouth, and that's exactly what Paul is talking about, is your mouth. I don't know how many prayers I've heard people come up and say, well, I want to surrender myself to God. It's all right. And as they're saying that prayer, they say everything but, but surrendering themselves to Christ. You've got to do it with your mouth. You've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. You've got to say that with your mouth. Because the mouth is only a vocal piece for what's in here. So if you don't say it with your mouth, it ain't in here. And I've watched this with my own children. I've watched them pray and say that prayer and say everything but, Lord, I give you my life. Surrender. You have got to let God take control of your life. And that means giving up everything. And that means being like a simple child. And that means going to him and asking him to provide you with what you need and how you need it. I invite you today for two things. I invite you as a church to come and pray and seek God as a church. And I invite you today as individuals, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you would like to know life, and you would like to know purpose, then I would invite you today to come up here and pray. And we will stand with you. We will be those stone altars that say, yes, we were there, we saw you give your life to Christ. As we stand together today, and we close in a word of prayer, I'm going to ask David to come forward, and I'm going to stand up here as well, and I encourage you as a church body, I, this, altar, this is what this altar is for. If you're serious, church, about being a church that seeks God, then I ask you to come forth today, and I ask you to get before on your knees, and ask you to gather together as brothers and sisters, and I ask you to pray one prayer. God, give us purpose. That is my challenge today. How will you respond?
Let's stand. Folks, would you come forth today and join us and join us as prayer as we seek for purpose and direction for this church and this church body. Would you join us today and be with those that would come forward who don't know Christ as a personal Lord and Savior? Or maybe those that have never really sought him out. I invite you today. I don't invite you. God invites you today to come and ask him into your life. Who will be brave enough to give up themselves? Who will be brave enough to surrender themselves? Who will be brave enough? Who has the desire to really see where this church can go? What purpose this church, God has for this church and this church family? This altar is open. The front of this church is open. Folks, we know everybody in here. Who will come today and pray?